Hey everybody, welcome to the Pardon Will Podcast. Um, I'm your host, David Lilly, and this is episode 48. And uh, this week, I have an amazing guest, but before I get started, um, I want to tell you about uh, the Charity of the Month. And so I've been doing a Charity of the Month here recently, and it's a it's a cool time because it's, you know, I don't have a lot of advertisers. So um, this is a, a family friend of mine, and uh, they recently adopted my buddy Lucas, and he's got... Uh, He's uh, he's got some issues. He's he needs uh, help with getting into his house, like accessibility for a ramp and things like that. And so, um, that's the charity of the month, the Pardon Wolf charity of the month. Um, if you would go check it out, um, they're just looking to to help make his life better. It's a good cause for great people, and it's really just to help his his life um, a little bit easier for them. And um, it's difficult dealing with somebody who's not only newly adopted but handy, handicapped as well. And so, anyway. I just want to start off uh, on that note. Um, my guest this week is a is a, a guy I've been following on Twitter for quite some time. He he runs in some of the groups that I run into, and one of the reasons why I wanted to have him on because he's a musician. He's a gar- uh, guitarist for a a, um, a Common Crown, and uh, he's also an athlete, and he also is a fellow podcaster um, for In Liberty and Health. And so, um, just want to introduce you to Kyle Medovic. Did I say that oh. right, Kyle? Yeah, actually, yeah, you no got way, it uh, damn near spot on. Dude, yeah, most people normally can't get that. <laughs> dude, I actually, I purposely didn't ask you before the podcast because I was like, I'm going to give this a shot and see how how well I do. Mm-hmm. Um, I nailed it. Dude. That never happens. <laughs> yeah, no, dude, b- believe me, feelings mutual. I, I do the same thing all the time. And you, you're shooting the ship, you know, before you start. And then yeah. all of a sudden you're like, oh, did I nail this? And sometimes you hit it, sometimes you miss it. And when you miss it, you feel like a pretty big, uh, so- you know, yeah. So what is that? Is that Polish? I don't have a clue. I'm just guessing. What <laughs> yeah. is that? Actually, funny enough, yeah, I'm, I'm Polish. Oh my god, um, like I my nailed dad's... that too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, my Dude, old I'm man is like Polish. Yeah, <laughs> my old man is a uh, Polish and Czech, and then I believe my mom is like Italian Indian. Indian. That's so, fair. Yeah. Indian, like Indian Indian or Native American Indian. I think Native American. I That's think. fair. I think yeah. I got like a a sixteenth of Native American, um, enough to where I could have got free college, but I was too stupid. Mm-hmm to cash in on that um well, you're doing better than pocahontas for sure yeah for sure because <laughs> she didn't go to college at all um yeah. that's all right you know like the moons and the stars yeah. uh, she got a, a movie deal like that's i mean come on like i'm not uh, you, you could talk deal. about more of like a npc politician than her really i mean it's like just like <laughs> your generic copy and pasta democrat there and she got a oh wait we talking about pocahontas or elizabeth warren i forgot which one elizabeth <laughs> Which one are we? I'm sorry, are I was we talking about Elizabeth Ward, not the historical or the Disney character. Elizabeth Warren. Uh, fair enough. Yeah. yeah, that's fair. Oh man, my bad. I can't believe we're already screwed up this communicate this uh, communication stuff already. I don't, yeah, that's all right. screw- I don't think we screwed up at all. I think we we just yeah. dove deep really quick. Um, <laughs> that's where I'm going to go with that. Hey man, you um, let's start off with a cool. I, this is something I'm always curious about when I talk to um, talk to musicians and stuff like that man when did you get started when was like the first and this is something i ask all my artists uh that come on when was the first time you're like yeah i think i like music like i'm, I'm gonna fiddle around with guitar or you know whatever you start off a lot of people start off with like the recorder in, in elementary and they're like <laughs> you know that thing and then how did you how did you find your way to uh to being a guitarist so like when I was a kid, guitar hero was real big and that wasn't like the only reason, but um I, I just always loved listening to stuff like Green Day and okay. um I remember my dad got me like a Incubus C D, I think, and um System of a Down and some other stuff that like 
this day I really don't like all that much, but it really? was just kind of like, yeah, it was kind of my foot in the door, if you will. And, um, you know, all my friends started playing guitar and stuff like that. So I was like, okay, well, you know, that seems kind of cool. So I decided, I, I think I want to do this. So my dad got me this little first act. And I remember I just sat there and like played with the strings and had no idea what I, what I was doing. And then I think I broke, um, almost every single string on it. And then I left it sit for like a year or something like that. And then my younger brother had got a guitar and I wouldn't put it down. So um, my stepmom had complained and said that, well, you need him strings for that. And then, yeah, yeah. you know, same deal, picked it up. And I just started trying to play as much as I could. And, you know, I remember listening to like, I, I want to say it was um, Death Magnetic by Metallica had okay. just came out and I was super, super into it. But I'd been playing for a little bit before then. And um, that was like when I started just picking up tabs and started reading stuff. And, you know, I, I remember I'd come home and I'd have like the music choice channel on, on um, uh, direct TV and listen yeah. to all the heavy metal stuff. I, heard, I remember hearing like still Panther, the okay, absence, yeah, yeah. And like all these kind of off the wall bands that nobody had heard of back then in like 2005 to 2009. And I'd go on to a uh, direct TV and look up just random heavy metal music videos. I had no idea what I was listening to, but it all just looked cool and sounded cool. And then, yeah. you know, years and years later, I'm, I'm like looking back at all that stuff. I'm like, wow, all that stuff is just like absolute masterpieces. So, yeah. um, you know, I would say it was more of kind of like, hard rock got me into it and then when i found out about pantera metallica and you know kind of like the the gods of metal that really just kicked it into overdrive and that really kind of got me going down the path of playing music so that's kind of like where i started and where i am now is like a completely separate place but yeah i'd say that's probably a good start so it was metal so you you went straight off into metal mm -hmm. really that's so i um I used to play guitar and I used to be in bands, but there were punk bands and mostly punk rock. I, I went yeah. from a punk rock phase to an actual punk punk phase. Um, but when I started, my sister, she was a musician. She would play guitar and stuff like that. And she introduced me um, to music. She was a few years ahead of me, um, but she uh, like I picked up all her old cassettes and uh, she was really into like the indie, like early 90s indie. So Matchbox 20 and Third Eye Blind. Third Eye Blind was my first favorite band of all time. Um mm -hmm like the untitled, untitled album. And then as I got, this was like when I was like 12 or 13, I was like, this is yeah. really good music. And so I got introduced to really good music right off the bat. And then I got her hand-me-down hand guitar. And she was like, well, I got a new one. Do you want this? And I was like, yeah. And so um, right off the bat, I, except for I didn't, I was too dumb to learn tabs. And so I started, I started just, I knew chords. So I started writing my own stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and then it eventually, you know, found my niche and i really enjoyed punk rock like the early 2000s um and then i found punk music and then it was a weird spur with emo i never i never dipped into metal um it was a little maybe it's a little too hardcore for me um i still like the happy go lucky uh that, that punk rock thing never left me um so i'm still like uh blink one a too like uh whiny uh <laughs> let's let's drink some beers and jump off the roof bro you know like that that's kind of my uh i think the inner child in me is still lives in that that category um but yeah you went straight off into hardcore did you what was your favorite band growing up like when you first started playing guitar like who were you like this is who i want to be who was that for me it was definitely Dimebag daryl it took me a while Dimebag to find pantera yeah, but yes Dimebag daryl was like my pinnacle um I wish I had something like close yeah. to me, but um, like uh, I can, 
I can't really see it right here, but I have like a whole bunch of passes from different shows that I played, but there's like a little dime bag Daryl yeah. necklace over there. But yeah, I, I, when I grew up, I wanted to dye my bank pier, or bank pier, Jesus, bank pier, <laughs> my beard been... pink. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted to dye my beard <laughs> pink and have the real long hair and, you know, get the, uh, you know, the Dean from hell and all that stuff. And yeah. I would just listen to Pantera CDs front to back and just everything about dime, the person he was, the way that he played, um, just really, really resonated with me. And still to this day, I try to carry that ethos with me and I, I fail at it quite often, <laughs> but um, just kind of being the every guy. And honestly, I could say one of the main things I carry with me, and it's funny because my band's called a common crown. Yeah. Um, the one thing that definitely lives that dime lives through me would be, um, you know, me sharing shots of crown and bottles of crown with everybody. Yeah, um, yeah. So like that, all the outdoor festivals that we play, the first thing I do, I usually got a bottle of crown on, you know, on tap and I go over and I see all the people I haven't seen in forever, give them a hug and, you know, we both take a swig of the crown royal bottle and gets passed around to all the friends and yes we did that 2022 but um you oh, know no. it was how, just how dare you where is your mask by yeah. the way you should be it sounds like you're in a public room you should wear your mask right now um yeah. I, I i should open up the windows it's pretty cold here in pennsylvania but yeah, yeah open up the windows to help ventilate it right yeah you should do I'm, I'm in upstate new york so your cold is is nothing to Michael. Um, Fair. Man, actually, I'm going to be honest. It's funny. It's funny that you say you, you went Dimebag Daryl is like your favorite. You and when I was like, well, you went right off into heavy metal. You, that personification. It seems to be like that's part of you because I've watched you on Twitter, and there's no pulling punches. Like you're very much like, here's my thoughts, and if you don't like them, deal. And I was like, that, now that not hearing about like your background and the music that you're, you start off, and I was like, oh, it it's all coming together now. <laughs> it's all it all makes sense what do you what do you think was that an upbringing thing like did you were you raised around a family that was like no we're all or nothing that kind of thing or, or what? so to go into my childhood a little bit um, my mom and dad split up when i was about five years old and um this is another thing that i've kicked the hornet's nest on a few times but i won't go um too hard here but um i i would seek to arrange my future family in a way that I wasn't raised. And I do believe that um, it's very, very important that parents do the best for their children because um, children don't have a choice in being brought into the world. So that's a whole separate tangent. But yeah. um, so my mom and dad split up when I was about five years old. And I always kind of looked up to my dad, as I think most young boys kind of do, but I didn't spend a lot of time with him. And I just remember hearing stories of my dad doing all this wild and crazy stuff like, you know, towing the uh principal's car around dropping cars and pools and picking up their buddies <laughs> cars with the tow truck and i mean this is back in like the listening, 70s and 80s and stuff say, listening like to dimebag daryl um while he's doing it <laughs> <laughs> well that was a little bit before him yeah, but bit, um but yeah. you know m my dad being kind of the a rebel and telling me stories about you know dumping like this rat paint into classes and watching people fall out of the desks and just being all overall hellraiser and that really encouraged me so um i did fail um, I had four years of middle school. It was only supposed to be three, but I had four years. Dude, so that's, that's um, fun. You're over yeah, it's definitely a little bit of that a That sounds like an overachiever. Yes. <laughs> like I want, I want how many years of middle school? Three. We're gonna go for four. Yeah, uh, yeah. That's an. You're just, a, you're just, you know, just trying to get as much as you can out of what you got. <laughs> Yeah, no, no, I definitely enjoyed it. But yeah, hearing those stories about my dad um, definitely encouraged me to go in that direction. So I was, um, as the middle child in all my siblings, I was definitely the uh, biggest hellraiser. Really? But, um, you know, it just it just kind of is what it is. Yeah, and definitely heavy metal encouraged that too, because, um, you know, just the spirit of heavy metal, or at least what it means to me, is representing yourself in the most brazen way possible, because there's nothing that just puts you on your ass, like double bass drums and a distorted guitar and someone just screaming about the way that they feel. And, you know, I don't know that 
that drive just talking about it brings up you know makes the yeah. hair stand up on the back of my neck but that stuff is just the stuff that i live for my entire life and you know as a athlete as well i train four days a week and i can't imagine going to the gym turn on brad paisley and think i'm gonna really? be able to pick up 500 pounds no no but you know if, if you turn on five minutes alone or something like i've been listening to like bleed from within they're a metalcore band i think from over in europe somewhere um I could rip, you know, 400 pounds effortlessly to something like that. But if you tell me I got to listen to up church or something like that, it's not happening. <laughs> you imagine squatting to like, um, I've lost my truck in the back of the field. And you're like, oh, I got to get this. Yeah. yeah I could see yeah. that. I could see why that would be an issue. Um, <laughs> didn't, didn't really think of So you're an athlete as well. You have a, well, you obviously have a podcast called in Liberty and health. And so you, you, how do you think do you think the music and the the healthy that the healthy living and the athlete thing tie in together i mean obviously it almost seems like it, it's cylindrical like the heavy metal the the being aggressive and being all full in like what you just said like when you listen to metal kind of puts you uh puts you out it puts in some fuel like give me fuel give me fire give me that which i desire yeah. right that, that's a kind of a classic lyric of being like yeah. this is what it's about it's about mm-hmm. going it's about being pushed forward about about moving forward at a high speed at a high rate with a ton of torque right like mm-hmm. that's that's the s like the the essence of that so it does seem yeah. to be involved in that did i just assume or did i assume your gender or no? <laughs> that... we start to sound like a biologist but that's okay we, well, we, i'm not a, i don't know what a woman is because i'm not credentialed enough but how do you feel about that dude do you, do you think they're um, all tied in together like that the heavy metal the, that whole thing um yeah, honestly, I never really thought about it that way. But, um, you know, the intensity that I think people should exercise to, especially once you've become adapted, if you're passionate about it. Um, and a lot of the research when it comes to muscle hypertrophy actually bears this out as well, that you have to be within like two to three reps of muscular failure, as in like you couldn't complete another rep if somebody, you know, put a gun to your head or something like that, yeah, yeah. as in your muscles are literally no longer able to go. Yeah. Um I don't think I could achieve that same intensity without heavy metal, but at the same time, you know, heavy metal is really what drives you. And to bring it back to Dimebag Daryl, um, he said, you know, I'm into heavy metal. You know, that's the stuff that moves your soul. And I really do believe that, like, I'm a huge blues guy too, like Gary Moore, Art King, BB King. Okay. Love those guys. Uh, Melvin Taylor's another one. Um, there's a name that was just on the tip of my tongue, but I completely forgot. But yeah, like that's, I love all that stuff. But once again, there's nothing that just drives you, like listen to Pantera or some, you know, maybe Morbid Angel or, you know, just some of the heavier stuff that, like I said, I, I kind of grew up on. But yeah, yeah definitely the, the intensity between that working out, I definitely see having a tight relationship. And there are like, I always think about Zach Wild when it comes to like bodybuilding okay. and heavy metal. Yeah, yeah. Um, if you look up pictures of him, he's always been like enormously jacked, dude. And you know, I kind of envy him as well. He's like my number two, so number one's Dime and the number two okay. Zach. Okay, but um, yeah, yeah. you know, I, I just look up to those guys because they seem like, and obviously I've never met them, but you know, it just seems like they're such charismatic, loving people that people just really admire and seem to be really, really good people. And as I said earlier, you know, I fail at it a lot, but I do hold them as kind of like North stars musically and like personality wise. Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's an interesting concept that you brought up. But like, um, cause you just mentioned, I mean, those, those are, those are kind of manly man, manly men, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I mean, I don't, I don't know. And I'm not sure if I, ex- we'll find out, but, but uh, how you feel about Jordan Peterson, because I don't really know. But he does bring up the idea that, you know, um, a dangerous man is a man who's 
not dangerous and thinks he might be. Or uh, I actually don't really know what he says. Uh, but it's, it's something similar mm-hmm. along the idea that like you, you need to be a monster. You just need to be mm-hmm. able to tame that monster. And so when you're like Zach, well, it seems like a very kind individual. And you see this with like scary people. So I'm I'm a tall guy. I got a beard. I'm kind of a bigger guy. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a bit of a teddy bear when you meet me in person. Unless you really, you have to really. I, I've got a I've got a patience. I've got a lot of patience, so you really have to mess with me to really irritate me. And I find that to be similar with a lot of people that are bigger and you know, at least have that presence, that, that strong presence. Um, a bit of monsters, but we just know how to tame that monster enough to where that becomes somebody you want around. It's the people mm-hmm. that, I don't know, how, do you know what I'm saying? Hopefully I'm not just rambling now about some Jordan Beerson mm-hmm. quote that I botched. Um, <laughs> no, well, dude, I, I, I get where you're a going. Monster. Yeah. I don't know what it is, um, but yeah. <laughs> You get the point. Yeah, perhaps that'd be a, a a good book for us. Somebody um, who who might be a little bit more oriented towards uh, you know weightlifting or anger might be able to write twelve rules to being a monster. But um, no, um, I believe his quote was, um, "You should absolutely become a monster, but you should be able to tame that." Yeah. Right? Okay. Um, so that because, a uh, you did a lot better, right? Than yeah. Fair <laughs> a a, uh, a weak man is in fact a very dangerous man because yeah. yes. Um, okay, that's yeah, that sounds to, a lot more to kind of elaborate on that a little bit more. Um, when people give you an ultimatum, it's oftentimes not from a place of strength. It's from a place of weakness because they're telling you, I have no other option. So it's either this or that. They have no negotiating power, right? Yeah. And this is something where I actually think Jordan Peterson doesn't realize how right he is because, so like, I like Jordan Peterson for what he is yeah. and I don't like him for what he's not. And my problem with Jordan Peterson isn't necessarily always him, but it's the fact that people project a lot of stuff onto him. They expect him to be this giga chat alpha libertarian yeah. dude, but he's just not that and but, that's okay but he also doesn't i mean well maybe he doesn't claim that. I, i've noticed that too where people put a lot of he, yeah he doesn't he doesn't claim to be that yeah, way no. but once again people project that onto him and it's kind of wrong for them to do that so this is where i think kind of like the manosphere guys which when it comes to like the red pill on manosphere space there's a lot of a thing for that okay. yeah yeah there, there's a lot of bad and a lot of junk in there yeah, they haven't like, let me in by the way i haven't <laughs> they haven't given me the password to get in that one but yeah <laughs> well don't worry you're not missing uh, not missing well that's amount. maybe because I, I haven't asked <laughs> maybe yeah, that might well be. So like the guys that I typically say are like really, really good are like Rolo Tomasi and Ryan Stone because they don't come out and say, hey, you know, this is this, you know, this is the way it is. And that's it. Who's that? Repeat that again, because I don't know who this is. Rolo Tomasi and Ryan Stone. That sounds super familiar. Rolo Tomasi. Yeah. Yeah. I retweet him quite a bit on Twitter. And I think he's he's um, he does a lot of like live streams on um I, I think it's like sunday his shows run mm-hmm. anywhere from like three to like five hours but um th- there's a lot of really good information he does like a lot of psychological research on like intersexual dynamics so um what i try to tell people when it comes to kind of like this masculinity stuff is that um you want to listen to jordan peterson because he has a lot of good information there and that's kind of like a good way to get your foot in the door about understanding responsibility and what that entails but though you need to level up eventually and go to the guys like rollo tomasi and some of the manosphere guys to kind of get where um you understand the real world how to apply you know, the dynamics of you know interacting with women and you know pursuing you know basically your duties as a man because the cards are stacked against men as it stands today right because women have the force of the government behind them you know when you have an overwhelming majority of alimony cases being awarded to women over men then um you have to kind of leverage that and understand that so basically the way that it's laid out is that um 
the problem with Jordan Peterson and these traditionally conservative guys, which I don't have a problem with it being traditionally conservative. What I have a problem with is this dynamic right here where they say you have to just take responsibility for responsibility's sake. But the problem is, is that men don't have the authority to affect that responsibility. So it's all responsibility, but you have no authority in said relationship. So what is you know responsibility without authority? It's essentially slavery, and that's what we sign men up for these days. Oh, okay. So yeah, this saying. is why I think that that it's very important to listen to some of the Manosphere guys and take the good and leave the bad, but understand the whole dynamic and understand that like, okay, so if you're going to engage a relationship, then you need to be responsible and you need to be wise, but you also need to understand that there's a, um, a desire dynamic and you're going to want, you know, who your partner to want you, right? Because the problem yeah. with this whole responsibility trope is that they kind of throw out the genuine desire aspect. And then that can lead you down to very, very cynical paths because we as men want certain things from, you know, the women that we're with. And when you don't get those things, and once again, it's a great way to become cynical and to have a bad relationship. So this is where kind of like the red pill and manosphere guys come in great use because they teach you, I don't even want to say teach, but they kind of help you understand what it is to achieve this genuine um, desire dynamic, because that's very, very important because, you know, once again, there's this, um, you know, alpha seed and beta need to put it politely. So basically where women want the long-term provisioning and they also want, you know, the hot guy in the foam pan, the foam cannon party in Cancun, you know, he was hot. Um, and you know, one thing led to another. So there is a yeah, balance they also, there. They also want to choose where yeah. to eat, but they can't figure out where to eat either. So it's, it's just <laughs> yeah, there's, yeah, that, that, that's, that's a pretty big rabbit hole. And I know that's a whole tangent I went on there, but, um, <laughs> no, yeah, no, no, I, I, I'm, I'm I like with you on that one. Good, good. Yeah. Yeah. I'm following. I, I want to, I want to, cause you said something and I think we should let's, let's sit. Cause this is something I, I haven't really thought too much about. I have, sure. I have, I think a little bit insight. But the responsibility for responsibility's sake, which kind of puts you as a slavery. Can you explain? Because yeah. I'm a little, I've had conversations with guys before. They're like, well, there's no room for shivery anymore. And like, here's, here's, mm -hmm. here's my problem. I've been married for a long time. I married mm -hmm. my high school sweetheart. So we've been together. So I'm not in the, I don't awesome. know the dating thing. Like I, I got it. And I can yeah. pull that card every time. And be like, well, you know, how do you feel about Tinder? Like, well, it sounds like an awful deal, but I'm not, I'm not mm -hmm. a, I'm not a Gen X or whatever. I'm not in college right yeah. now. Like a, I've, I've, I've settled my cards way early on, but people are talking about like, well, chivalry is dead um, because you can't, you know, if you open the door, you, you get, you know, called the name, you know, or mm -hmm. you get disrespected. Maybe they don't even say thank you for opening the door. And my response, and tell me what you think, honest, what you think about this. I said, sure. to hell with them. Open the door anyway. Um, because mm -hmm. the reality that, that sure, the responsibility for responsibility's sake and that maybe you're a slave or maybe you're voluntarily doing something because you want to alter the world mm -hmm. around you. So people, we've I've had this conversation with a buddy of mine. He's like, well, if you open the door and they don't say, they're just disrespecting, maybe they even get mad at you for opening the door. To hell with them. This is how I'm raised and this is the world I'm going to live in. And if I do this and they get mad, okay, I'm sorry. Well, I'm still going to open the door for the next person too. I'm going to continuously forge this path because chivalry is dead or whatever well i'm going to keep it alive as long as i can and regardless yeah. of whether or not you like it or not or you get upset or or you don't say thank you what's wrong with what's wrong with just this is the world i want to live in i want to be mm -hmm. polite i want to open doors for, for people people in general not just women elderly right. um literally the guy that's younger than me i open doors i'm just an open door guy how mm -hmm. do you feel about that and that's that's a responsibility for my sake is that a slavery do you think do you think i'm doing that no it's a slavery thing not slave, no, no, not no, no, no. quote unquote slave. Let's not yeah. let's not dip into that one yet. Um 
Yeah. You know what? This whole thing is like the Holocaust. <laughs> let's just not assume. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's, let's just put the pedal on the metal. Screw let's it. pull the Gina Carano back. Um, we'll pull her back from the brink. <laughs> let's not go that part. But do you? Know, I think I know what you're saying. I hate for men to fall into like, be a good man regardless of what everyone says. But I'm kind of vouching for that, dude. I'm kind of going like, you know what? Maybe you need to be a good man for the good man's sake because it's worth it. <laughs> What do you think? Is that is that all? How's the manifest? I'm sorry, I'm ranting. Again. Go go ahead. No, nah, dude, that's okay. Um, so I, I do believe you should do that. So like some of the manosphere guys would try to, they almost try to come to the table with this equal mindset, which I think is setting people up for failure because um, there are just natural hierarchies. You're never oh, going to get rid let's, of them. Let's stop real quick. Let's do definitions because sure. even I'm like manosphere guys. Um, can you give me like a small synopsis? Manosphere is that like the? That's not Groiper, is it? Is that the Groiper thing? I don't know, dude. You're talking to an idiot. No, that's okay. Here. Yeah, okay. yeah. Ah, oh, dude, you're you're perfectly fine. So, like the Manosphere guys, I would consider more of like the pickup artist, um, the, like the original. Yeah, no? I would include okay. him in there, but okay. um, he's not kind of somebody that I would tell people to go listen to and take a lot of his advice. I would tell them like, hey, listen to him. You know, he's entertaining, but I wouldn't take everything he says yeah. to heart. He'll tell you how um, to get arrested in Romania real quick. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah. Or, or, you know, traffic people via traffic the internet. Yeah. yeah. So um, when I think about the Manosphere, I think about, um, like I said, Rolo Tomasi and Ryan Stone, where basically okay. they kind it's a group of men who are trading notes on intersexual dynamics to help understand the game and understand um you know handling women in the 21st century because gotcha. you know 50 60 years ago things were completely different and nowadays sure. now that women have exposure to social media and it's not like all women are monoliths right but this is just you know the way <laughs> that we have to kind of come to understand this is that men want unlimited access to unlimited sexuality right that's why there's so much porn on the internet because there's such a demand for it. men want this so they're going to seek it out whatever way possible yeah. now once again i don't think it's healthy but at the same time this is a natural drive like people think oh well we could just ban porn or something like that well men are going to find an outlet no matter what because this is part of our innate wiring right yeah so so i would assume not to jump in i would assume yeah, that's okay. probably um really enjoyed cave drawings i'm sure that's the reason why those are there <laughs> they're like hey, they're yeah. not around what do we do well you know yeah. ooga booga over here drew some mm -hmm. a nice set and so yeah. let's be honest it's a bit of an animalistic concept they're gonna be drawn mm -hmm. towards that thing um oh, yeah sorry interrupt with a cave no nah, dude you're good you're good that, that's a uh, that, that's a good um plug there as well <laughs> but um and women are looking for you know basically unlit or um you know, unlimited access to resources. Mm, so they're okay. going, they want, um, you know, the man that they genuinely desire, but they also want a long-term partner. Sure. Well, yeah. now the thing is, is that the dating game set up so that women have so much access to attention, which in their mind is resources. And there's so many social oh, conventions and tropes that surround um, social dynamics with women where now, you know, stepdads are the greatest people in the world because they're stepping up where that piece of garbage man left. But okay, well, what was the incentive for him to leave? And why are you with a man that would do that to you? Like nobody stops and asks those questions. We never put it back on women because ultimately at the end of the day, women do have to decide to let men in, right? And now obviously we're not talking about situations of non-consensual sex. You know, that's a completely different story. But um, women ultimately are the gatekeepers at the end of the day because they're the ones that get to decide if you get to get the goods, right? So <coughs> as we go on throughout you know the 21st century men need to learn how to adapt to the game as it is now so they need to understand you know 
body language and the way that you know now text game and i mean not like people don't to have people's number isn't like anything at all yeah. so do you know what the uh, number one dating app in the world is right now i'm gonna say tinder that would be no it's instagram wait what yeah yeah really? so okay. what what do you think women do when they're on instagram and they're posting all these pictures of themselves they're advertising right and once again this okay. isn't to say yeah. that all women are monoliths but you know they're posting this out there to see what eyes are on there and it, it is kind of funny to listen to like fresh and fit which is kind of like oh, another yeah. just i heard them it, I it's a complete, to their show, but yeah I've it's a complete them. total just red meat kind of show where it's just you know blood sport for blood sport's sake is that manosphere? Um, they, they're they're definitely considered manosphere, but okay. they wouldn't be the kind of guys that I would like take any advice to heart to. Do, okay. do you follow what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no, no, I follow. I, yeah, yeah. I'm it's the same deal with Andrew Tate. You can, yeah, you can listen to these guys and they're entertaining, but um, I, I just wouldn't, you know, take what they say to the bank. Rolo Tomasi and Ryan Stone are like the two guys that I would take what they say to the bank. Um, but yeah, basically, they always joke about women deleting their Instagrams if they get boyfriends and they never want to do it well in my mind and in most other men's minds it's kind of like well you're pulling yourself off the market right yeah. like okay part, part of the saying. yeah yeah so part of the reason why i'm with my wife now and this is a, a complete and total stupid oversimplification but okay. she doesn't beg for other men's attention right and i've been gotcha. with women before who do and the shit always drove me nuts and yeah. it's not because um, there's anything necessarily wrong with me. I'm a jealous person, but I mean, this is kind of like innately wired into men is that we want to know that our offsprings are going to the next generation. We want to know that the kid is ours. So when women are attracting attention of other men or they're demanding attention from other men, we begin to question if their loyalty is actually to us. So when you put it on women to say like, Hey, would you delete your Instagram for your boyfriend? And they say no, then basically that's because they're not ready to take themselves off the market. Right. Do, okay. Does that, does yeah, that no, kind of no, make I'm, sense? I'm, I'm, I'm definitely tracking. I'm just in my head. I'm, yeah. I'm parsing this out and then also yeah. crying a little bit inside for all the younger guys out there. Um, yes. I, yes. I, Believe me. We, I do all the time as well. I got, I got, I got married way long before Instagram. Mm -hmm. um, and even then my wife doesn't have one. She's just not yeah. a social media person. Um, right. Because I lock her. No, I'm just joking. I don't lock her. <laughs> that sounded bad. Now I think about it. Um, but yeah, I, uh, I feel bad. I, I, I feel bad for the kids nowadays because it does seem, it does seem kind of odd. And I've actually haven't talked about this on the podcast, um, but I'm pretty vocal about it. Well, actually, I'm not very vocal about it anywhere unless I'm prompted to be. Mm -hmm. um, but when it comes back to the idea, you, you brought up a few things. So I'm I'm, I'm retract, uh, re not retracting, but going back a little bit. You talked about like a, you know, the, women are the gatekeepers. And obviously, mm -hmm. obviously, throughout the entire idea of history, I mean, Cleopatra, mm -hmm. you know, uh, Eleanor Troy. That, that, they're, they're kind of they, they might actually be the people that cause wars not that mm -hmm. not to say that they they're instigating it but yeah well, um anyway so they are the gatekeepers and then you have like third wave feminism and i remember coming up as a young young man in, in the late 80s early 90s and and my dad would tell me about the you know the 70s and because that's when he grew up and he'd be like there was a whole hippie movement and he was a he's a minister so he's like i was part of the jesus freak yeah. movement which was like the the weird hippie but not they were yeah. like we're not all this sexual revolution thing um we're, we like to gather around play hacky sack and read our bibles it worked out for him yeah <laughs> so i was fine with that but but the idea that free love thing, you know, like everybody, who, who cares about relationships? And then yeah. now if you look back, you're like, you know, that was a trap set by men, right? That whole third wave mm -hmm. feminism was literally written by, it had to be written by a man. Like if you were mm -hmm. to think about this as series like Game of Thrones, 
when you got to that like episode you're like all right season three of of feminism who wrote this oh obviously that was a dude because it was like you know what women the one thing that is sacred to you the one the one power play that you have just give it up give it up it'll work mm-hmm. out great and uh and and you look back and be like well this seemed to be an awful move and everything that seemed to be empowering about it just made you more like a man um something that you give away and that's just not how women are built and i feel bad because it's not as if people knew i mean i guess you could have read the bible or something but it's as if you didn't know (laughs) you're like you know what about this whole uh i mean going back to jordan Peterson, monogamy what an outdated garbage thing but now we're circling back going like well this this might actually benefited both individuals not just men but women together um yeah. And it's almost it's it sucks because it's it's a lot of a lot of people's lives got ruined along the way. But it's also weird to circle back and be like, you remember that thing that we thought was dumb? Well, it's coming back around to be like, well, this might be the thing that actually was beneficial. Mm-hmm. And if it's circular like that, then you have to think in 60 years they're going to have another um, movement of free love and everybody just give everything away. Mm-hmm. And there's no there's no sacredness to to sex or relationships or anything like that yeah. we're going to see this all over again um and so i i think i think that that's where i li- how do you feel about that is there anything anything you would object to that one no no, no. um the one the, the one thing that's interesting to me to bring it back to jordan peterson again would be um how he kind of lays out the difference between political people's opinions is borders and um the idea of like order and chaos so when you think about polygamous societies they do tend to be a lot more chaotic because you have now blurred the lines of order right where um you know in my relationship with my wife it's just her and i and her and i agreed on very very strict rules early on like hey no infidelity we want kids um we want that has to be a normal rule right do do you think Mm -hmm. people talk about that like hey now that we're married we should talk about not sleeping with other people. Is that a thing? Tell me that's um, not a t- thing now. In, in today's world now, kind of what happens is that um, women will share a more dominant man, the man that they genuinely desire. And then sometimes maybe even lesser men will be willing to share, you know, multiple women. Like, or So like kind of what I've seen, this has been a very, very surprising for me because i always thought people were like very very monogamous but it's really not the case where people are totally good with swinging like this this shit's kind of weird to me man <laughs> like i didn't think it was I, I really didn't think it was a thing but i yeah. think what happens now is that a lot of men are willing to um sacrifice the loyalty of one woman if she's attractive enough um and you know kind of let her go sleep around as long as she kind of comes to home to him at the end of the day which i mean if that's a sacrifice you're willing to make um I think that's a dumb sacrifice, but that's not a sacrifice I'm willing to make. And I do think that if you plan to have a family, then that's detrimental to the health of your family because um, children do require both parents. And to have all these different figures coming in and out, and especially having like this kind of odd power dynamic with strangers, um, I don't think is a healthy place for children or really for even grown adults. I I don't think it's a healthy thing at all. Yeah, I mean, I don't – have you ever watched Arrested Development? No, uh, it's a great show. Um, it's it's been. I mean, this is early two thousands when it came out. But yeah. there was, there's a, a character on that. He's 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 married to um, to to a woman, and uh, they're having marriage problems. He's he's obviously gay. Um, that's the whole joke about it. Um, and they're having marriage because he doesn't want to be intimate. Neither one of them want to be intimate. And uh, yeah. he got, he's a therapist, and he's like, well, there's this thing where you know, couples who are having marriage problems that they they enter into what if we date other people 
And she goes, well, does that work for married couples? He was like, no. Somehow they delude themselves, but it's not. it never works. But for us, it actually might. And so he actually goes in. It's this, it's this weird cognitive yeah. dissonance of just suspending your belief that this thing that never works for anything else might actually work for us. And it's mm-hmm. it's kind of the tale all this time is sometimes we always think we're we're smarter than than the reality we live in. And mm-hmm. I think that might be because reality is kind of difficult and, and relationships are difficult. Um, mm-hmm. And that that that's again, that's a. I, mean, I didn't realize we were going to talk about this. Today. This is not even on my peer view, oh, but yeah, I love dude, it. It's good. I've been thinking yeah. about the culture war a lot lately, mm-hmm. especially with the podcast. Like, well, I talk to artists all the time, and one of the things I like for artists to do is explore, like, talk to them why they do what they're doing because it's it's a it's a weird art, especially guitarists nowadays, and and the way the internet's moved and the way culture has moved in general. Just to find an artist who's a little bit more outspoken about something other than just their art. Um, mm-hmm. Not to, to side rail on this, but I was thinking about that lately yeah. as being like, well, I'm an artist, like I paint and I do stuff like that all the mm-hmm. time, but I'm not super outspoken about who I am or my thoughts behind it, especially when it comes to like chivalry or like the way I, I you know, I treat my wife or the way I, I think about the mm-hmm. world, but the world's kind of collapsing around us. And so it makes me think like, well, how <sighs> yeah. often can I play with my watercolors and go, well, here's another Spider-Man. I hope World War Three doesn't start today. Um, mm-hmm. And then I go, well, what am I doing with my art? And so I think about that. Too. How how often do you think about like what you do mixed in with like what the culture? Because you obviously are playing into the like you spend time thinking about the cultures. Right? You, you obviously are. You said you were married, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was, so you're thinking about the manosphere and how the uh, the next generation's coming up. And I've never thought about that till recently. Been like, well, what about the next gen? What world? What artists are we going to have coming up now? And what are they going to be? They're probably going to be, dude. They're probably going to be iconographs they're all the artists coming up are gonna just paint pictures of jesus because it's so bad like yeah so how do you feel about that man um i I am kind of concerned for this sharp bounce back and i've been very very outspoken about how i feel the culture war is going to go because i know how people can get when it comes like the satanic panic stuff yeah and i do have a great bit of uh sympathy for religious people actually one of uh, my friends actually sent me two orthodox christian books i haven't got to read them yet but um i've been an agnostic my entire life but um just the conversations i've had with some of these people who consider themselves orthodox christians um they're just absolutely fantastic people so um it's made me kind of reconsider my position but um that being said when i see people throwing out that basically you know it's like another thing of everybody that disagrees with me is satanic everybody that disagrees with me is a nazi everybody that disagrees with me is a leftist when i see people go to these binaries it just drives me nuts because um i do consider myself to be a truth seeker and i do believe that misinformation does hurt people but um when it comes to like the next generation of artists i feel like there's just so much out there and I don't see social media as like an inherent bad, like a lot of people do. Everybody says, oh, there's a problem with social media. Well, social media is just the tool. And this is what I think a lot of people miss when they talk about this is that like everything that we do, we would do, you know, whether we had the tools that we have today or not, they would just represent or they would, you know, manifest in different ways. So like when you see people saying, when you see these videos of these crazy, you know, let's say pro-choice advocates in the streets protesting, um, that would be you or me if it was a given or a certain situation where we felt passionate enough that we wanted to be heard, we would do the exact same stuff. And that is a harrowing thing for people to consider that that would be them given certain circumstances. So I know I'm a little bit all over the place here, but um, I don't know what to think about dude. the next was, generation is coming up. I was thinking about yeah. that too. It's cool that you, you're uh, 
got some Orthodox books. So I was ra- I was raised mm. a Christian, not not Orthodox, mm. but I've definitely studied. Um, that stuff interested me early on, so I read a lot of Orthodox yeah. books. One of the books that I read was the Philokalia, which is Orthodox, mm-hmm. like early early Desert Father stuff. Um, okay. Hey, guys. I don't know if you know this, um, but not only am I a podcaster, but I'm also an artist and a pretty decent one at that, if I might say so. And if you were like, you know what? I don't believe this guy. I don't think he's that good of an artist. Um, you can go check out my work at etsy.com slash shop slash pardon will. And then when you're convinced... You can also purchase all my artwork there. Now, it's not just, you know, original artwork. There's also prints, and you can change sizes. So you're like, you know, I like this piece, but I don't want it too big. I want it this way or whatever. Um, You can go there and peruse my entire category that I have for sale. Um, And everything starting from like $5 and up all the way, sky's the limit. So if you're like, you know what, um, not only do I want to judge this guy's voice and his attitude, I want to judge his art as well. You can go there. Um, And if you can't find that, you know, Etsy's not your thing. You can also go to my website, pardonwill.com. But um, if you're uh, wanting to check it out and want to buy a piece of art and you go to the Etsy, um, use promo code podcast. That'll get you 10% off. And that's my way of saying Thanks for listening, um, and I hope you're enjoying the podcast. I hope you enjoy my art, um, and that is just for you. So if you're listening to the podcast, you want to check it out, go to etsy.com slash shop slash pardon will. Use promo code podcast, get 10% off. Um, you won't regret it. And I think I think that's a good well-roundedness. I've never, I mean, a lot of my friends, I mean, I went through an atheistic season of my life, um, and then like an agnostic thing too. Um, it, but it does make me think about, like I mean, even even when I became a Christian again, like in my early twenties, it wasn't wasn't the cool thing by any means. I mean, maybe mm-hmm. kind of in a weird section and being like, well, this is this is definitely not what you do in your early twenties. Um, mm-hmm. Like I mean, it's just it's just it just it was never really cool in the first place. But uh, I I do think about I do think about what what the like i was just having let me break this down so i was just having a conversation with another artist a a friend of mine on the podcast and i brought up the ai thing at the end and uh and i talked to him a little bit he was pretty white-pilled about it he was like you know well even if you can type in you know like make this picture like paint the oil of you know this thing of this thing and make it look like it and that was a big movement with the artists um they were like against ai because it's basically stealing jobs it's like the same thing for automation for truck drivers mm-hmm. and like well if the trucks can drive right. themselves they're gonna have to learn to code or whatever well now artists are gonna have to learn to code because anybody can take whatever they want type it into chat gpt or whatever and then now they have a gorgeous piece of art um, that was made by a computer. And he was like, well, I don't think artists are going to be around. And I said, well, the thing that I worry about in that whole sentence is, is if I was eight years old, like say when I started drawing and I knew I could just type in Spider-Man swinging from this with this color and it printed it out like on a printer or whatever, there's no incentivization to actually want to draw. And so you lose an entire generation of artists that could come up because of because of technology or whatever, whatever the new thing is. And I think about that, like, um, I know some younger people, uh, that my, my friend's kids and they're coming up and it was like, well, what do you want to do? What do you want to do? And he's like, I want to be a YouTube star. I want to play Fortnite on YouTube. And I was like, you know, younger, I never had that. And it makes me, I mean, I sound like a boomer, dude. I sound like a freaking boomer. Um, but I'm like, oh, yeah. this, this is making me nervous. Look at these youngsters out here mm-hmm. listening to their rock music. But I'm, I'm seriously going like, well, what about being creative? Like, you know, like, I know you want to buy that new Fortnite skin, but what about making a Fortnite? I don't know. I worry about that stuff. And then and then it makes me wonder about, like, the whole Christianity thing when they're culture war. Because I still see it coming back around again. 
and then and even people who are agnostic or people who are aren't religious you can look at the culture and be like i get it you could you could say you know maybe maybe drag shows are a form of art i've been to a drag show before and i was like oh this mm-hmm. i get this i understand why it's a form of art but to go like well, we should probably not have kids there um right. you're like well now you sound like a christian bigot like no, my agnostic atheist friends think this is a bad idea too. So, are we just circling <laughs> yeah. back to like Sharia law? Do we have to invoke this now to keep kids out of drag show? It's, it's almost as if we. Um, there's a, Kyle, dude. There's a saying. There's a saying that I I grew up with in there. It says mm-hmm. all the all the scientists and and mathematicians they're all they're all climbing up a mountain of knowledge. They're all trying to get mm-hmm. the new thing. The new cliff is there. Like oh, quantum mechanics. We got to find it. And then they finally get to the peak of knowledge and at the very top of the mountain it's like three theologians sitting up there being like yeah we told you this like at the bottom of the mountain it's the same thing like it's literally the same thing we've been here for so long and you guys went the long way around um and i feel like that i mean not to say all religions are the same but a lot of the things we're dealing with cultural have a lot of religious undertones of being like we told you this was bad like Mm -hmm. i mean maybe we didn't go about the right way we just said hey this is bad to stay away from it but now we're having to explain it um, that's weird, right? Tell me I'm not a weirdo. Did I just no. rain on something that makes no sense? Because I was like, no, no, you're, you're good. You're good. So I, I want to start on the AI stuff. And then we kind of work our way to the religious stuff. Um, the AI stuff, I got to say, I'm pretty optimistic about it, too. Um, for the sole reason that um, when I was recording my band's four song EP, um, I do have a female singer and okay. we don't like brazenly brag about having a female singer. Um, well, uh, why would just, you? No, I'm just playing. Yeah. <laughs> I'm <laughs> but, just but, you know, there's so yeah. many bands that just use that as their gimmick, but that's not yeah. us. And um, my singer, Jen, is absolutely fantastic. But a uh, perfect example of this, I remember um, the audio engineer was sitting there kind of trying to like pitch correct her voice. Yeah. And I. I I was just talking about this the other day on the podcast. Um, he stopped the recording or stopped like trying to pitch correct it. And he looks over to her and he says, look, I could sit here and fuck with this all day, but um, you're so spot on that. I like just can't do anything with this. Yeah. The beautiful part about that is that she worked for that. Right. Yeah. yeah. This is because yeah. Jen, my singer um, has sang for so long in that when she goes in the studio, she doesn't play around and she's willing to put in the hours. She's willing to put in the time to make sure that whatever she does is done. Right. So, um, you know, one, you're not going to be able to duplicate that with the AI no. um, the way that Dimebag Daryl has the smooth legato. And then these wicked upstrokes, you're never going to be able to duplicate that. Um, the way that uh, Dave McLean on 2003 through the ashes empires by machine head plays Imperium, the way that I remember just watching videos of, and it blows my freaking mind. There's not a drum machine that can do that. Yeah. Um, Rob Flynn's vocals, Phil Anselmo's vocals, you name it. There will never be an AI bot that can get that same human element that um, they had in those recordings. So um, really, I think this may separate the wheat from the chaff, but if not, then um, I even think about this in like bodybuilder terms where like, I'll never be Ronnie Coleman. Right. I mean, I'm probably, I don't want to say near my genetic limit, but um, you know, eke out most of your gains when you start working out within your first like year or two. Right. I've been working out for 10 years. So the amount of muscle I'm going to gain is going to be infinitesimally small um, Uh compared to what it was 10 years ago when I first started working out. Don't sell yourself short, man. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But the the point is, is that um, I should 
that that should be all the more reason to tell you, hey, well, you should definitely try as hard as you can to see what your potential is in yeah. anything you do. So don't be scared of some freaking computer and some zeros and ones that may sound good. Um, they're never gonna have that same human element that you can put in there. Okay, well, hold on, we're gonna full circle this around because sure, for sure, I totally agree with what you're saying. But does that not stop, you know, a ten year old who was gonna pick up a guitar and go? I have to the now the bar set here because yeah for sure it's not the same as all the other people above it who've worked for years, but if I'm going to start a, a garage band, do I have to get to there before we have be able to play shows next to the DJ who just um, put in, uh, a pigeonator and and hey I chatted the uh, song that I tried to write that was better than mine and do you see what I'm saying does that set the bar so high that people go what's the point of trying anymore and this this actually goes back to responsibility for responsibility's sake i've been like well then what is what's the goal here are we are we trying to do something like are we trying to be men who are chivalrous because we're looking for a response are we doing it because it's out of principle and this is something i always this is why i lean in so hard into libertarianism because sometimes people are like well the utopia is socialism or the utopia is is whatever republicans want i don't know what that is um but the utopian is this and if we can get there but libertarians are always saying back like no the utopian there is no utopia it's just be responsible for what you are according to principles that are standpoint and i think that goes back to ai to to guitar players looking you know a, a 10 year old who's picking up a guitar for the first time going like an ai's i'm never going to compete for an ai unless i work at this for 40 years um maybe i'll be somewhat lower than dimeback daryl and above the ai but but the amount of us are going to be such a small percentage what's the point of even picking this up i should learn to code i'll be able to create an ai that maybe i'll make some money off but is it why not play guitar for guitar's sake? What if it affects the soul? What if it what if it changes the way you look at life because you picked up a guitar instead of worried about AI is going to take your job? And that's when I go back to the responsibility. Sometimes it, it I mean, do you see what I'm saying? I'm, I'm collecting it all. Yeah. Into, there might be a principle here of being like, well, what if you're chivalrous? What if you pick up the guitar? What if you pick up the paintbrush? Regardless of what the AI does, regardless of how the society tells you we should do, open the door for the people. Play the guitar at 10 years old. You, you might not ever be able to beat the AI. They might spit in your face, call you misogynist for opening up a door. But but it's for for the for the sake of it. For the sake of, mm -hmm. of creating the world that you want to live in. And maybe it helps you. Right. Maybe it doesn't do anything for anyone you open the door for. But it changes your soul. What if it right. affects the way you, you think about the world around you? All right, sorry. That was a big rant. But that's, I'm tying no, no, it all no, no, together. No. Yeah, no, no. I think you tie, you tied it together very, very well. Um, this is where I think a lot of people who consider themselves libertarian tend to fail is that um, there are two ends of this. And this is something okay. else that Jordan Peterson has laid out is that, um, you know, freedom does come with responsibility. And I do believe that libertarianism brought to its extreme conclusion of the ultimate freedom is the ultimate responsibility. Oh, yeah. It's not going to look yeah. like where you get to just do whatever you want and you can go drunk driving and then, yeah. you know, th there's no consequences. In fact, I think the consequences are going to be more harsh. There's just not going to be a government well, should be. doing it. They but should yeah, be. once again, they, they should be because the social expectation is there for you. Exactly. And this is what I kind of see as duty, right? Like when I think about the way that I exercise, the way that I play music, um, the way that I strive to treat my wife um, in a honorable and a good way, 
um, that is my duty. That is part of who I am. This isn't, you know, just because I believe this and because this leads to the, this is what I have to do to bring about the most prosperous life for the people that mean the most to me. And this is the way that people should look at libertarianism is that um, these values are going to lead you to the life in the society that you want to see. And even if you don't see it in your lifetime, you still put your soul and your effort out there to bring about that world and your effort matters. And yeah. it's, you know, um, I think it's Alexander Solzhenitsyn that laid out the, uh, or that said the quote that the line of good and evil runs through every single human oh, heart. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. So it's upon us to move it more towards the good rather than the bad. And that's where I believe this responsibility comes in, um, where you should pay for the first date. Right. Yeah. Um, and if you do find somebody that you absolutely love and adore, Did you, you say for, your best pay for the first well. date, did you say pay for the first date? Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I that's what I thought you'd pay for the first day. I think so too. And I, but I like the idea that you just took souls and the heart, uh, the the line of good and evil runs straight to the heart. And you're like, and but but the clearest, easiest avenue, pay for the first day. Like I love that you took that and was like, small steps. Like it's not like, yeah. go, you know, sign up for the war, go kill people in another country. You're like, no. What if what if what if the lot? And and Tolkien talks about this. And, um, the way that he talks about the way to defeat evil, to defeat Sauron. It's it's not the big wars. It's it's the small. He was talking about the hobbits. It's a small everyday mm-hmm. man who does his everyday duties. That's what holds back the evil. And so it's uh, anyway. Sorry, you said that. Now it sparked a thing in my. I was like, I love that. I love I love uh, the idea that people always think like it's a fight and we got to fight good and evil. I'm like mm-hmm. sometimes fighting good and evil is just love your wife. You know, yeah, to pay your bills. Well, it, it, it's <laughs> really Jordan Pearson. Make your bed. Yeah. Like that's, it's that sometimes that is the good that holds back the evil. And I think we see this in our culture world every day. I look at people and go like, they're not cult. I mean, Jordan Peterson's not a warrior. He says some weird stuff on Twitter sometimes like, dude, this yeah. is, you're out of lane, dude. You, you could have been fine just being like, Hey, make your bed. Like, you know, like, mm-hmm. okay, bucko, you know, like you'd have been fine just doing that. You don't have to tell, you know, a model she's ugly to get points. Like I understand, but you might be stepping into a category that that's not, maybe that's not for you. It might just mm-hmm. not be your thing. But doing what he does well is great, um, right. and I think I think everyone has that. I'm sorry, I'm ranting again, but I I love what you That's just okay, said. Yeah. I, I think a lot of people think the culture war, or they think just right and wrong. Sometimes it's daunting, and I I think about that in my own life. And like sometimes, like I have a podcast, and how often should I talk about you know like how often should we bring up transing the kids with every artist I have on the mm-hmm. watercolors? Like let's not. I don't have to do yeah. this all the time, but in my own heart, I'm like well. I, I, I do want to not ignore the world crumbling around me. And, and mm-hmm. sometimes sometimes just being a good artist, just painting a cool Spider-Man painting, might be a, a small step to being like, well, this guy seems like he's normal. Maybe I'll listen to him. Um, and then they hear me say something like, you know, oh, how about you open the door for everybody, old people, mm-hmm. young people. And so it's stuff like that. Anyway, that was a long rant. But I love what you said about I, – I still think – I think of that all the time. The line between good and evil runs through everybody. But it's the small things. Yeah. Like pay for the first date, you idiot. Like, yeah. Anyway, sorry. Keep going. Yeah, no, dude. Dude, you're good. No, absolutely. Um, part of the reason why I, I – I like the way that um, some of the Manosphere guys lay out paying for the first aid is that it establishes a frame that um, you're willing to kind of lead, right? Yeah. And this is where I think an- another area where some libertarians tend to fail too is that um, people aren't going to just convert to our ideas, right? Um, you could have one-on-ones with people, but I mean that's like a lifetime project 
that's going to take a very, very long time. But what I think yeah. a lot of people tend to look for is leaders. So what we need is people who are willing to, once again, do their duty in their community and be leaders and live by these values and be people that other people respect in order for people to have relationship capital with us, right? Yeah. So over time, you're going to build a relationship with people and they're going to trust you. So therefore, once they trust you, then they're more likely to trust your ideas. Well, if they see that, you know, and not to pat myself on the back, but you know, I'm a musician, I'm an athlete, a podcast host. I do all these other things. I'm a mechanic for a living. Um, you know, I have a good relationship with all my family, including yeah. both my step parents and my parents. Okay. Um, this puts me as a certain member in the community. And then also mm -hmm. when I was in college, I graduated top of my class. Okay. Then I'm a libertarian. Yeah. Right? yeah. All Secondary. those things then I'm a libertarian yeah. because if I just lead with the political that puts people's guards up immediately, especially if they don't know you because, um, the political stuff can be very, very daunting for a lot of people just because um, people have so many assumptions baked in, especially when I see people like gravitating towards saying they're right wing or left wing. Yeah. Now, um, that means so many different things to so many different people. You shouldn't always lead with that. So this is another reason why I really like music and art and stuff like that, because yeah. it's apolitical yeah. and it's something that everybody can rally around and enjoy together. And then you start those relationships there and then you can worry about the political stuff later. But you guys agree on this one thing. So let's enjoy this together. And then if you get into the political stuff, they're already more likely to be a little bit more open to you and say like, hey, you know, we may disagree here, but maybe we could work on something together and maybe we could find, you know, what this disagreement is and maybe you'll move an inch my way i'll move an inch your way or maybe you'll move six inches my way and you'll realize where you were wrong or maybe i'm the dumb son of a bitch and i have to move closer towards you yeah. that's kind of what i think political dialogue is about i don't think it's about just coming up to people and telling them i'm a libertarian and this is why you should be too i think it's about having a relationship with people or being a good leader and then um the ideas come secondary at least that's kind of the way that i see it no, I think I actually think you're spot on. I would add to that, and and I've I've had conversations. I try to actually space my libertarian guests out because um, the last thing I want to do is be another libertarian podcast. Like we don't right. have enough. Um, but but that's actually not that's not all the full truth. And I I actually talked to Larry Sharp about this. Um, actually, I don't know if I went too much into depth with him on this one, but uh, my 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 question with him, he's a big libertarian. Like he was the first person I voted for because I live in New York. And um, yeah, he's um, I I tweet about him all the time he is just one of the greatest living people i love that guy. he's just um, absolutely incredible yeah yeah i love that guy. he's and he's easy to talk to too and the fact that he was on my podcast was still like did did you not read the email like you should have but he was super gracious and, he, and i but i got a chance to talk to him i was like i have all my all my friends in my circle are artists um and none of them are libertarian uh, none of them are republic they're very much democratic socialists they're all like hardcore into activism and I was, I was questioning, I was like, well, it doesn't make any sense to me because I have an art gallery, like I make money off sales like capital. I understand like it's a basic form of capitalism. It's not what they're talking about, but it still doesn't yeah. make sense that you'd want the state to pay for you to do the art because I like the struggle behind it. But regardless, mm -hmm. on, on to the next point. Um, I've had conversations with libertarians who do like punk and they're very, every time I talk to a libertarian, they're like, well, you know, this policy has come through. We need to get this guy elected and this is the policy. And I always sit back and go, well, what about the culture? Because a lot of libertarians are not involved in culture at all. And me as an artist, like, that's really all I care about. Because, I, I, like, the weird Breitbart thing, you know, politics is downstream from culture. I get it. Mm. And culture is downstream from art. I was like, well, why, why aren't libertarians paying more attention to art then? Mm. And that's the thing. That's why I like having people like you on, 
where people are, are artists. They're not just like, well, who's the next person running and let's talk to them about the policies. I get it. Like that, that's a whole thing. That's not my that's not my cup of tea. Let let all, everybody talk about that. But I would love to see more libertarians dive more into art. Like I got a friend um, who writes books. Um, I've had him on the podcast. He just writes fiction novels. He's a libertarian, and he writes, and there's libertarian under themes, and I love that. It's the same yeah. thing as the Daily Wire. Like, we're going to put out kids' shows. They're not overly Republican. They're just traditional. It's like, oh, okay. Well, so now we're seeing, like, well, maybe people pay attention to – I would like to make good art, and then people go, you know, this guy has a podcast. He talks to artists. He loves this stuff. I don't know what his political views are, but every once in a while he has a guy like Kyle on, and I find out, oh, he's just kind of like a normal person from 2008. Which makes me like him even more. Like, that's where I'm going yeah. for. You know, like, that's what I'm, I'm aiming for. But I think that's what people are like, well, because I've had family members go, like, David's a libertarian. And I'm a terrible libertarian at that. I'm not very good at it. Um, but they're like, well, what do you think about this? And I'm like, this is pretty simple. Like, it's just theft. You know, like, it's just, mm-hmm. but I get into that part. Um, but yeah, it's easy conversation. People start to be a little bit more inclined to be like, I understand freedom is more responsibility. What do we do about the, the people? What do we do about the people who can't fend for themselves? Is it, you're like, well, I'm an artist. I'm easily empathetic because that's the group I run into. Like, I'm, I'm not just a policy and get it done. And this is, this is what I'm an artist. Like, I, I care about the way people think that this part of my living is, is to communicate the way they feel and the way I feel and bring them together. So it, it shines a light on libertarianism to not make them think they're just policy and, and growing their own garden in the middle of nowhere. You start to see like, oh, these, these people are well-rounded. Like they, they yeah. do all kind. They're mechanics. They're artists. They're guitar players. They're they're musicians. They're they're contractors. They do all the things, and that's what I think. I think it's important. Anyway, that was a long rant. Mm-hmm. I like what you do because it, it symbolizes what I do when it comes to policies. Is secondary. Like I, mm-hmm. I, I mean, not policy. Politics for me is secondary. Like I'm. Right. It's the the least interesting thing about me is my the mm-hmm. thing the, my politics that I believe. The most interesting is like yeah. what do I do? Who do I care for? Who do I love? What mm-hmm. do I what do I think about? And it just so happens to be in tied with the, with the, the the ton of responsibility that comes to being a libertarian. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Yeah, one interesting thing that I kind of uh, realized just as you were saying that was uh, I really didn't talk politics a lot when I first got to the job that I'm at now. And it's kind of funny. Um, if I'm asked, I'll talk about it, but I yeah. never bring it up first. But um, I noticed that my coworkers will kind of start to poke around and ask me about it. And I have a lot to say, but yeah. once again, um, I'm not going to spew every single political belief of mine on your lap if you don't care to hear it. Because yeah. then what good was that? We could have spent time, you know, better. There, there was better time spent doing other things yeah. rather than me just gargling my political jargon on you. So um, and this is largely because they respect me as a person and they understand that I'm somebody that, you know, is reliable, trustworthy and will be there if they need it. it. So, um, you know, like I said, I think just these people who think that they could just Act, be active in the political i think that's a losing game and i think that you will win people over who are geared that way as well but i don't believe that's the masses i believe the masses just pay you know a little bit of attention over here and there in four years they go pull a lever for somebody that yeah. they seem to like and then um that's kind of like the mostly dabble in politics and they may read the occasional news story but um other than that they're not you know diving in every single day they're not doing research they're not publishing articles they just don't have that much interest because um i mean it's a lot it's stressful to kind of think about this stuff all day every day so Dude, you know for is. me yeah I, i'm sure it's you're hard. the same way sometimes you just gotta look at art or listen to music or something like that and just not worry about political stuff for i a just week follow i just follow your twitter and i'm like oh, what's what's going on today what's kyle tweeting about today uh, 
Yeah, but I, I totally, and this is a weird thing to admit, and I don't mind it because I'm, again, I'm a bit of a simpleton when it came to politics. Like the first time I voted was in 2018, and it was for Larry Sharp. So, dude, to be honest, I was like, I didn't know about libertarianism till Ron Swanson on Parks and Rec, and I was like, whatever that is, whatever that thing is, I like that, and that's <laughs> art, dude. It's he's not even a real libertarian. It's just art. It's just portraying an idea through something that made it communicable to me. And I was like, oh. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know what this is, but now I'm learning that everything he says seems to be absolutely makes sense. And um, and that's just a form of art. So through Parks and Recreation, the TV show, and Ron Swanson, yeah. I, I literally voted. Um, because, I mean, obviously, I was like, whatever he is, I'm voting. And that I actually did research. But after, I, I didn't know it existed, man. I knew, like, the Green Party and Ross Perot and, and stuff like that coming up. But I never knew, like, there was actual movement behind, like, Hey, freedom requires responsibility. The more freedom, the more responsibility. It, it's a trade-off. You know, it's the Thomas Sowell thing. There's no solution. It's just a trade-off. You know, the more responsibility you have, the more freedom you get. The, the less freedom you have, the less responsibility. How do you want to live? Where do you want to pull the world to? And not that thing. Obviously, it was a lot to come from Ron Swanson, but Ron Swanson <laughs> led me there, obviously. And then I yeah. voted for Larry Sharp. And then, and then that's uh, literally, I'm having a podcast that involves a lot of libertarians based on my own ideals of uh, being like, I, I, this seems to fit well, and it seems to be a smart way forward. Um, right. Yeah, man. I think, but I think, I think what really is the saving grace, let's talk about two people real quick. I don't know how you feel about sure. them. How do you feel about Michael Malice and Dave Smith? Um, Give me your, I, you, tell me whatever you want. I, I don't know, man. I, I'm, they're not Michael my best Malice friends. Is I'm calling yeah, Michael that. right now and telling what I have no they're not my friends. I don't know. I don't know who they are. Uh, Michael Malice kind of annoys me. Um, okay. <laughs> he, he, I I really don't like him. You hate um, Jews. Ah, see, I know it. Yes. <laughs> just, yes, just exactly. Playing. I'm just playing. Um no, um Michael Malice is he's kind of he carries a lot of water for the neoconservatives and Zionists okay. as well, which is kind of surprising. Um being an anarchist that his foreign policy takes yeah. And his take on Israel are um, pretty bad, okay. but um, you know when it comes to, like his understanding of anarchism and history surrounding that, I think it's very interesting. I do think he's knowledgeable, but um, I, I, he's just always bothered me. But um, Dave Smith, I have a great admiration for Dave Smith, I and I was actually thinking about this today. He tweeted out the one day saying that like libertinism, as in this idea of free love and you know this mm. degeneracy, um, dude, is that what libertine is? I, I, I keep hearing yeah. it. I have no idea what it is. So it's the free love, yeah. anything goes kind of thing? Yeah, kind of okay. like this, you know, hippie commune of free sex and free love. And So would, you know. hold on, before you go, because you're educating me right now. Um, sure. Is the opposite of that conservatarian? Yeah, I would say okay. there's obviously room in between, but, um, you know, I would say the libertine is more just kind of like this degeneracy where, you know, people see okay. traditional values as like bad or something like that. And then obviously the inverse. Um, okay. Dave I Smith, I, I feel figuring that out. I, I feel like Dave Smith made it cool to be a conservative libertarian, like kind of like how Ron Paul made it okay to be an anti-war Republican. Yeah. Um, yeah Dave Smith made sure. it okay to be a socially conservative libertarian. Yeah. Um, okay. And so I'm okay now because I think yeah. I fall in that group because everyone was like yeah. this whole me. I was like, well, I kind of, I'm kind of, I might be coming from a traditional conservative background. It, all this just makes sense to me. I don't have a, I don't right. have a dog in this libertarian fight because libertarians always argue with each other and i don't really have yeah i feel like i'm i'm an outsider just eating popcorn like i don't mm -hmm. we'll see where this goes 
you're probably yeah, better off. I, I think I am, but yeah, that's. Uh, thank you for breaking that down for me. So Dave Smith is is made conservatarian cool again. I like that. I'm okay with that because yeah. he doesn't seem like a conservative at all. <laughs> um, um, if you look at his personal life, that's where he's that's much more socially conservative, and that's kind of the way that I look at um, conservatism. Okay. Um, and, and perhaps it is a little bit. Um, my error that sometimes I do use conservative and Republican interchangeably because they're, we should kind of think of conservatives as more um, a social value, right? Because conservative is kind of like, Hey, I'm going to be responsible (laughs) for my duties and I'm going to treat my wife a certain way. I'm going to be with this one person. We're going to have a nuclear family. And this is the way that we see a most prosperous society is by kind of leading with these values. And that's not to say that like only Republicans are conservative. So there's, you know, Democrats that I know that live a very conservative life as well. Um, There's a lot of nuance, but um, yeah, I would definitely say Dave Smith as a um, person is definitely more socially conservative. And then obviously, politically he's very libertarian yeah yeah and i I really i would say he's probably like my north star politically where i agree with him on probably an overwhelming majority of things um the only area where i see him lacking it seems to be his knowledge on china even though like i just feel like he just doesn't know and if you told him kind of the stuff about china from a libertarian angle he'd be good on it right away but i just feel like he just doesn't read into that and i'm not criticizing for him i i I'm not criticizing him for that, but I feel like, you know, it's just well, I'm gonna something tell that he ever looked into. I don't know if you know I'm texting him right now. <laughs> you know, Kyle said, Kyle said, you suck at China. Um, anyway, yeah. no, dude, I, I'm, I'm with you on that one. I, like I said, I'm not, I'm not really in the libertarian circle, especially on libertarian Twitter. I'm not, I'm not really there. Uh, I'm, I'm like an outsider. I'm a fly on the wall. Most of the time I'm like, yeah, mm-hmm. I totally agree with this. I'll retweet it, but God forbid anyone come to me with questions. Um, Cause I'll not give a good answer. It'll probably be something, off the wall but what i do mm-hmm. like is i do like i because if there was something like say if someone came to me and they're like hey you're a libertarian what do you think about war and i'm like just check out scott horton that, that yeah shove that off on him he'll he'll solve it for you like how do you feel about the you know the culture stuff well here's here's dave smith or you know and there's a lot of people how do you feel about policy here's ron paul like these are people that you can bring in and these are people who are alive this we're not even talking about the dead people um in the books they write and so I like I like that part when it comes to policy and being able to kind of lean on different people cuz I mean Michael Malice I love I still love the idea that it's tossed around to him being like speaker of the house like or not speaker yeah. of the house um press secretary like I right. love that idea he's such he's such a good time and I think I think that good time and and being able to be quick on your feet and and doing um the way he is a comedian at the same time and knows somewhat politics is is pretty cool what I do think Tell me what you think about this, Kyle, because since I'm I'm sure. venturing off into the culture war area, even with the podcast, and I hate to do that, but um, it's just it's going to happen because I'm I'm having a hard time not talking about this stuff. Right. <clears throat> um, three years ago, when I was like, well, I think I'm a libertarian. All my friends were in the art world, which are all Democrats, and uh, I, I'm from Texas, so my family's kind of Republican, I'm very conservative, and and I I can. I was a bit of an imbat. I can run. I understand what they're doing. I understand. What, I understand the parties, like the the quote unquote mm-hmm. Big Ten parties. I get it. Yeah. And I always found myself kind of in the middle. Like I'm not really. I like this thing and not socially conservative yeah. and you know economically what or vice versa. But this whole woke thing, dude. Um, it's it's kind of flipped 
flip things over onto where like you know that whole meme of being like, well, it's just normal, and then you pushed me over into a Republican camp. Mm-hmm. I would probably be less conservative if it wasn't for this weird woke stuff. And I know like, well, how do you define woke? Like that's a constant thing being pulled up. Um, it's kind of like, and you ever you ever heard that thing where people like uh, there was this uh, big um, I forgot what court case it was. We're like, well, how do you define pornography? And the one guy was like, I can't define it, but I can tell you when I see it. Like, you know, like it's not, and that's the kind of thing. It's like, yeah. And I, I personally can define woke. I think it's a religion. I think it's easily Mm. a cultist religion, um, based on a ton of stuff. But, um, I, I, I don't, I don't think I'm educated enough to be able to define this well, but I can tell you that the more the world spins off this postmodern, uh, all morals are relative free based, whatever goes is fine. We're just, pulling you that slippery slope thing that everyone's like that's not real well it is real and it's happening in front of you that thing has really made me more of a a conservative libertarian (laughs) to the point where do you really want me to become a republican like i will vote for trump keep doing what you're doing i'll vote for this guy (laughs) so fast and i had this conversation with larry and larry's like well it's you know it's everything the politics does is is you know if you don't vote for this guy the world's gonna end i'm sitting back going like oh Oh my God, the world's gonna end, dude! Like we're mm-hmm. we're about to get into World War Three, and it makes you want to step back and 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 lose your balance of being like, well, obviously I, I shouldn't just vote down ballot R, but dude, this woke stuff is throwing me off, man. Even as a libertarian, I'm like, this is crazy. Like, the, tell me I'm wrong, dude. Tell me, tell me the <laughs> lunatics aren't running the asylum at this point in time. And I love the fact that people have, you know, hey, I get it. You don't. You don't quite know who you are. I'm not mm. gonna. I'm not gonna yell at you for that. But dude, stop teaching kids. Like, what are you doing? Like, take yeah. some time off. Like, you don't need to. Do- anyway, I've got some strong issues. How do you feel about that stuff? Because that that's making me a little bit more conservative than it is libertarian. How do you feel about that? Yeah. No. No. I I completely understand. And I empathize with that. Um, I, I know people, especially with parents, definitely feel yeah, a lot dude. stronger than I do because your incentive is that much but higher dude, because you're like indoctrinating. They're touching a nerve. That's like literally yeah. your 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 operation. You're you're buzzing it, mm-hmm. dude. You're hitting a nerve, and that's not a right. good thing, dude. That's not a good. Anyway, sorry, I interrupted you, but it's is a serious thing. Yeah. Yeah. No, I completely agree. Um. I, I get why people have this, you know, knee jerk reaction to say like, we have to quash this at all costs. And yeah. I sometimes tend to agree because it's like when you're going after people's kids, um, the most vulnerable population in the entire you know world, like they need to be protected. Mm-hmm. And this is a little bit of a problem for libertarians where they're not willing to necessarily say like, Hey, maybe we should have preferences when we, you know, with this government that we have where like, if they're going to function at all, maybe they should at least serve to children and make sure that um we're not exposing them to harmful things or putting you know naked trans adults in front of them like this stuff is clearly wrong and i think everybody of sane mind would agree this stuff is wrong and whatever we could do to stop it i think is a net positive um and, and i do think like this idea of woke is based on the idea of equity where everybody's equal and blanks and also the idea of blank slate equalism yeah. where everybody is just you know starts off as a complete total blank slate and then you kind of work them from there but the yeah. fact is is that people of different races people of different families people of different cultures all will turn out different and the that same person from 
you know, the same day isn't going to be equal to himself from day to day. Yeah. You're going to have good days. You're going to have bad days. But people across races, creeds, IQs, you name it, aren't equal. And that's okay because there's some things that you're going to be good at that I suck at. There's going to be some things that you suck at that I'm good at. Um, we're not all equal, but that's kind of the beautiful part of libertarianism overall is yeah. that you can kind of have this division of labor and decentralization where you have communities where you have people who are specialized in different things. But even as it stands today, you could still have that where people are good at certain things people aren't yeah. we see this in like um when it comes to libertarian you know you have your foreign policy guru scott horton um dave DeCamp, pat mcfarlane connor freeman kyle anzalone i keep yeah. up with these guys a lot yeah, um, you have your more blue collar guys like myself like reed coverdale who yeah. are kind of you know busting our knuckles doing our jobs every single day you have the artist guys like me and yourself who kind of put our art there for or our art out yeah, there yeah. for the world to exactly. see or even eric july who's like making comics love stuff that guy. like this so yeah, yeah. yes 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 so you have all these people who do um who serve different purposes within our movement um i really think that's going to be the best way to defeat this kind of wokest ideology and if it does continue to overtake institutions that hey maybe you know having someone like a DeSantis that comes in and quashes it maybe we have to do something like that if it's to the point where you know we are losing you know our I don't want to say our institutions because that sounds so just you know kind of like our our, yeah. our democracy. But if they're coming after our, our children, democracy then is I in think danger. I don't know if you right. know this, Kyle. Yeah, because <laughs> of January sixth. Um, because of January sixth. Yeah, but um, no, I think it's perfectly okay to um, use the heavy hand of government if it means protecting our children yeah. and protecting our property from those who would seek to steal it off of us um, by means of you know seeking out equality because yeah. essentially at the end of the day that is kind of Maoist communism, right? Yeah, I think I think there's a weird play in the government and that even that aspect of what you're talking about the heavy hand of government to protect the kids. Um, I agree, and I think actually the government might be a little bit more gracious than the parents. And so not only are they protecting the kids, they're protecting the offenders. Because had had this been even even a hardcore libertarian stance, and you do you you pull that that drag queen stuff in front of a libertarian's kid, the government might not be there to help you. <laughs> and so and I right. so as much as it is, the big government might protect your kids and might protect the offenders too, because. I know a lot of libertarians wouldn't even let. They just don't have the patience, and uh, and so we'll just leave it there. I like man, and there's there's um there's a theological term of of dealing with like the value of people, because even even this is just a weird like biblical lesson. <laughs> I can't, either way, just hear me out. And so mm -hmm. there's there's multiple ways of looking at the imago dei, which is the image of God. Everyone's made in the image of God, and there's different ways of looking at men and women. And the relationship together is egalitarian, which they're equal in value and equal in, in servitude. And then there's complementarian, which is a totally different thing. It's they're equal in value yeah. but different in servitude. Women are different than men. Men are different than women. This is where I I tend to land. Um, there's different aspects uh, that men do that that are important. In certain aspects like war. Let's just be honest. Men are a little bit better at war than women. Maybe not so much gossip. Or like spy. Yeah. Like I think women, I'm, I'm with the Black Widow Marvel thing. Yeah. I think Black Widow spies would be better women um, because men are dumb. Uh, and so I think this this kind of dynamic, they're going to be better at, at shooting people. Women are better at, at working situations out. But that's complementarian. They're both equal in value. That's the Imago Dei. Mm -hmm. They're both made in the image of God. But the roles they play are different and they shouldn't be, right. they're not 
valued the same way. And I think I think this complementarian thing where they complement each other, that's where it comes from. Instead of this egal this equity concept of being like, well, everyone's the same and everyone has the same platform and every everyone can do all the things the same way. Like, well, Obviously, you're an idiot because that's not true. And as much as you tell yeah. me that is true, or I'm a bigot for thinking that it's not true, it's not going to change the fact that it's just not true. You can lie. You can lie to everyone, um, and some people might fall for it, um, and that's fine. But it's just, it's just not. At the end of the day, it's just not going to. It's just not going to hit the rubber. Like it's just not going to. It's just mm. not going to make traction. And right. it may, it may with certain societies, but but when it comes to farming or when it comes to like most libertarian things like i mean pretty hands-on people um i like that complementarian thing when it comes to politics and I, this is where i think the libertarian long range come to an end this is where i think libertarians succeed the most because all my favorite libertarians are really good at what they do um like if i think foreign policy i think daniel Camp or scott horton like these are the people i'm like well i don't i don't, I don't dude i don't know where, where to think about this stuff but i know who yeah. to turn to who seem mm -hmm. to have it on if I went to culture war, you know, or if I, you know, think about art, Eric July, like there's a ton of libertarians out there who are not just good at being libertarian. They're just good at what they do. And right. they just so happen to be libertarian. And mm -hmm. I think if, if Democrats really got on that, if there were like, or if Republicans were just like, what if we, what if we focused on, oh, so let me end this here. I know there's a long rant, dude. I'm so sorry. No, it's okay. Yeah, man. So C.S. Lewis talk, and I bring this up all the time on the podcast, I think, I think I do, or I just do it in my head. C.S. Lewis talks about this. Um, he talks about other Christian writers because C.S. Lewis he obviously wrote, you know, uh, Chronicles of Narnia and wrote a bunch of mm. fiction. He, he wrote some theology like mere Christianity, but didn't write a lot. He wrote a lot of fiction. And uh, he was talking about the idea of like Christian writers. He was like, you know, the last thing the world needs is more Christian books written by Christian writers. What they need is a lot of good books written by Christian writers. His basic point was being like, write good books and be Christian while doing it. And that'll lead more people to Christ than just writing books about Christ. Because if you were good at fiction, people would read it and go, who's this guy? And realize, oh, this is where he bases all of this stuff off. So mm -hmm. you can do be a good guitarist, be a good artist, be a good musician, be a good at foreign policy, be a good comedian. And then when people are like, I like this guy. And then when they listen to a podcast, oh my God, he's a libertarian. Why is he Because he's so smart. I like this guy. Why? I hate libertarians. Why do I like this guy? You know, like mm. then, then your movement might move forward again. Maybe not so much the policy, but the people, that people thing, dude. If we had more libertarians mm. who did more cool stuff, then we might be fine, dude. That'd be fun. It still sounds like I'm chilling for the libertarian party. I'm not even sure they <laughs> let me in there yet. Um, they haven't <laughs> let me in there yet, but I'll get there. But what do you think about that, man? We'll, we'll end it on that. What's your thoughts? Yeah, that's definitely kind of something that I've tried to beat into people's heads as well as that um, it was kind of an idea I was laying out earlier that um, we do need to be leaders and that's going to attract people to our ideas. And I, I think the way that you laid it out with C.S. Lewis there was perhaps way better than I could have ever laid it out. Um, you need to paint the ideas in a way that isn't just throwing them right in people's faces, but you need to kind of plant the seeds yeah. through the ideas yep. as in like you need to paint a picture and tell a story to somebody that may be libertarian in nature, but it's not explicitly libertarian. I agree. And then that leads people down the path and then they find out who you are and then they can get inspired from your inspirations and from your ideas. And then from there, they may become libertarians. Yeah, um, and anybody that claims to have the certain answer or like the one ticket to anything really, like anytime you hear anybody telling you that like, just cut out this food, do this exercise for health or for muscle, um, do this one trick to make money, do 
this one trick to you know change the world into Ancapistan overnight. Um, yeah, they're yeah. lying to you because yeah. the the matter of the fact is, is that for a lot of the stuff we don't know what works universally, but we could tell you we could point to stuff that says like, hey, this moves us out of a good direction. Um, this seems productive. Um, we could just look at that and then hope that repeating that can work. And then if it doesn't, then we'll reassess and, you know, aim and fire in another direction. But um, anybody that believes that they have the one answer to everything, um, they're not any kind of serious person. They're an ideologue and we should treat them that way and, you know, take the good, leave the bad, but just remember that the world's a very, very nuanced and complicated place. And the, you know, there's many, many different ways to skin a cat and the way that health may look to me may look different to you and the way that you get to your best Liberty may look very, very different from person to person as well. Yeah, man, dude, I love that. That's that's spot on. I I totally agree with this. I I didn't know since we haven't actually talked. I didn't know how much I like um, that we are. I mean, I'm saying this. You'd be like, this guy's an idiot. I don't associate with him at all. Uh, I've enjoyed the conversation. I hope so, man. I hope you enjoyed it. I've enjoyed it a ton. Will you tell everyone that's listening and watching um, where to follow you at and your podcast and all that stuff? Will you give them that info? For sure. Yeah. So I'm at, or I'm on Twitter. That's where I'm most active at Kyle Matovic. That's K Y L E M A T O V C I K. Uh, the podcast is called in Liberty and health. Um, I'm not sure when you're going to air this, but I normally do two episodes a week. Okay. Um, yeah. I do one. Week so that, it'll be like cool Thursday. So, yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, the week that um, we're recording right now, it's March 7th tomorrow. I'm going to be airing an episode with uh, Mike Jackman, okay, um, cool. yeah, one of the Jackman brothers. Yeah, and yeah. funny enough, we actually talked about music and foreign policy as Very well, cool. which was uh, really, really cool because he's a musician as well. Um, so, yeah, I do two podcasts there a week. Um, I play in a band called A Common Crown. You can find us everywhere if you go to acommoncrown.com. Um, if you're in the Ohio, Pennsylvania area, we're going to be playing in Akron, Ohio at the Vortex on um i think it's march let me make sure i get the state right um march 10th and then on the 21st of this month we'll also be opening for saliva if oh, anybody knows who they are yes yeah dude and I know then, um, who doesn't know who saliva is <laughs> um, maybe, maybe people people who are 12 yeah. and under no i mean saliva's yeah. been around for a minute for sure yeah, yeah and then um, cool. may May 7th, we're opening for Lita Ford as well. So um, okay. we got some cool shows coming up this yeah, year and hopefully some new music for everybody. But yeah, I'm Kamatovic on Twitter, a Common Crowns Band, and Liberty Health is the podcast. And then I'm also on Facebook. So if people are uh, on there, feel free to send me a friend request and uh, shoot me a message if you like uh, any of my stuff. And uh, yeah, if um, anybody ever needs anything, if everybody's uh, you know curious about health and fitness, political stuff, or just wants to shoot the shit, you know, I'm always available. Yeah, dude. Hey, thanks for coming on the podcast. I enjoyed this talk immensely. Um, I feel like we probably could have went for like another hour and a half, dude. Um, dipping into this, I rarely do I get a chance to talk about the culture and art together and how they how they kind of mix together and and uh, and how what to do with with art in our world today. Um, especially sure. if you're into this, you're in this whole uh, this conundrum of being uh, being an artist and uh, and mm-hmm. dealing. with I mean, AI, we touched on AI. I'm still, I'm still world about this. I don't know what to do with it, man. Mm-hmm. Um, AI is so much more talented than I am. I have to figure out what I'm going to do. <laughs> anyway, man. I know the feeling. Yeah, it's it's strange. Um, but anyway, dude, I enjoyed this conversation. Hopefully, you enjoyed it too. Um, I'm going to toss you off and then uh, sign off real quick. Hey, everybody! Thanks for joining the Pardonable Podcast. Um, this is a great conversation. Hopefully, you enjoyed it. I think I might try to have Kyle back on to talk more culture stuff. I think I'm going to dip a little bit more into the culture 
Um, it seems to be somewhat important. Honestly, it's been something I've been thinking about for a while now. Um, and it's it's been on my mind of of how the world's going, man. It's not not that it's like the world's ending, but it kind of feels like it all the time. It's it's not one thing. It's just every year it's like, what disaster are we dealing with now? And maybe it's been like that for decades and I've just now picked up on it, but it definitely seems worrisome. Um, and so I'd like to be a part of, uh, of moving the, the, the needle forward, especially for young artists and stuff like that. I don't, I don't want to, I don't want people to think like, well, I'd like, I'd like for a great future, except for we're about to blow up, um, or a train's going to derail or, uh, the next president's going to lock us into concentration camps. Let's just not avoid that. And so I might dip into a little bit more conversations with people, um, and, and try to space my libertarian friends out and get a few other people in there because i got a lot of libertarian friends. And so you might hear a lot more of this. But if you're going to follow me, um, please do at Pardonable Art on Twitter. Um, you can find me at Pardonable Art on Instagram and the Pardonable, Pod, uh, Pardonable Podcast on Instagram as well um, to kind of see updates and, and shows. And if you will, please like and subscribe to my new YouTube channel, uh, youtube.com at Pardonable. Um, same with Rumble, uh, rumble.com at Pardonable. But anyway, hopefully you guys have a great week, and I will see you back here next time. Bye.